Welcome to the first episode of The Threes. This is a new show by Beta Cell where we aim to sort of have a conversation with all the type threes in our lives. If you don't know what a type three is, it's what we call a person who's affected by type one but doesn't have type one themselves. So the best example is a parent of a child with type one. Even though they don't have type one, there's so much about type one that affects your life that it's obviously going to affect the people around you. So your parent waking up in the middle of the night to check your blood sugar or a spouse who has to uh, wake you up when your Dexcom goes off and you sleep through it. We all know these types of people because we have people in our lives who don't have type 1. And so for a while, I've been thinking that most of the time when we're talking about type 1, we're talking to other people with type 1, whether that's Instagram, Facebook, or even on BetaCell. It's a conversation between people with type 1, talking about how much it sucks, talking about what we do well, what we don't do well. But I thought it'd be interesting to see exactly how it's affecting people with type 3 and also let them ask questions to us that they might not do normally. I can't think of a time when I've sat down with someone who doesn't have type 1 in my life and just talked about diabetes. So for this first episode, I thought I would talk to one of my closest friends without type 1, my coworker Venus. We've known each other for 11, 12 years, something like that. About that. And I've talked about this before. I don't think I've ever mentioned you by name that I like never told people I worked with that I had type 1 for a while, right? And I remember the one day when I had my Omnipod in my arm and you saw it and you asked me what it was and I told you it was a pedometer because I didn't want to say what it was. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that? I don't. (laughs) Okay, so that was a really significant moment for me, but not for you. I remember asking you, but I don't remember you telling me it was a pedometer. And I couldn't imagine myself actually believing you, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) I guess you're just really trusting. (laughs) And then, uh, do you remember when I told you I had type 1? I do. I do remember. Um, I remember you telling me you had something big to tell me. And then... (laughs) What did you think I was going to say? I don't know. Um, But the the unveiling wasn't as shocking to me as I think it was for you. (laughs) Because you had said that I... um, you thought something was up because I was like going to the doctor more than I, a person, however old I was, right. mid-20s, healthy, right. should be going. Of course, I always thought the worst case scenario every time that you had much more serious terminally ill <laughs> diseases um, because you were going to the doctor so much. I always assumed the worst case, but... When you told me, I actually, it was actually more of a relief 
than anything else. And you have a family history of type 2, but not type 1. Correct. So did you know much about type 1? Probably. I knew nothing about type 1. And, then, and I actually didn't know that much about type 2 either until I started learning about type 1 and then started to see that there were a lot of similarities um, in the way like blood sugars work, I guess. And then over the years, you've learned much more than you'd ever want to well, know. Well, I definitely <laughs> feel that I'm much more educated about type 1 than the normal uh, person. Um, and I seem to bring it up a lot more to people that I talk to who don't know, assuming that they would know, and they always look at me with a blank look, and I have to explain to them the difference between the two. And then they still look a little confused. (laughs) That's what I notice a lot more. But I I do feel that I try to educate people. One, because I just, you know, have an interest in my own uh, history of type 2, but then knowing more about type 1, I feel the need to <laughs> educate other people, I guess. That's funny because that's what people with type 1 feel like. <laughs> they always have to explain to other people what it is. And then even then, do they ever really, like, get it? Yeah. So about a year ago, a little under a year ago, you went for an annual checkup, right? Right. A doctor. And your A1C came out, like, a little high, right? 5.8. 5.8, mm-hmm. um, which is in the, like, the pre-diabetes Correct. category. Um, do you remember what, that, what you first thought when you saw that? I was really shocked. Um, and my doctor, you know, I was on the phone with my doctor, and he was going down the list of things, uh, you know, all my numbers and everything looked good. And he's like, I do want to talk to you about uh, your slightly high A1C, and um, and that was a moment of truth for me, I guess, from that point on, <laughs> because I always knew I had a family history of type two. But since I live a pretty relatively health healthy lifestyle, I was shocked that I was already borderline high at my age. And that, and that, and you don't just live like subjectively a healthy lifestyle like I'll I'll weigh in (laughs) knowing your lifestyle you eat really healthy Mm -hmm. you exercise more than anyone I know (laughs) um and I guess you know I had known that type 2 had more of a genetic component than people think and I think when I when you got that slightly high A1C I was like, oh, well, obviously that's the case because you're doing everything by the book. Like no doctor would look at you and say, oh, she probably is going to get type 2. Right. I mean, he reassured me that I, sh- I had nothing to worry about. I could, you know, probably just like don't drink smoothies, maybe watch my dessert intake, things like that. But for me, it was a bigger deal because everyone on my mom's side is either uh, – insulin-based or on pills, and I could see my future down the line, and I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want that to be me. So here we are. (laughs) So you came back, and I gave you a spare meter of mine. Yeah. And you started testing a couple times a day. Correct. Um, It's not fun. 
<laughs> you still like, I don't know what the word is, hesitate before you like click down right. the lancet and right. <laughs> um, were there anything like just sort of testing yourself like periodically, were there things that you found like that shocked you? Not necessarily, not necessarily shocking. Um, well, actually, the the first shock was the, um, the the time we had the frappuccino. Oh yeah, I think that was the first eye opener, official eye opener since I started using the meter. And ever since that one time a year ago, I have not had another frappuccino since since uh, you know we tested and my blood sugar spiked, and then we and that was with getting it with less sugar, right? Yeah, and yeah, less pumps of whatever. Correct. And then that's when you went on the <laughs> detective work to find out what was in a frappuccino. Yeah, yeah. Because we tried to figure out if you could still get skinny frappuccinos because yeah. that wasn't on the menu and we realized that wasn't possible anymore. Right. So, I mean, it was shocking because I had already ordered it with less, quote-unquote, sugar, but yet my blood sugar went through the roof yeah. so soon after. Only to find out that there's hidden sugars in all the components of the frappuccino. Exactly. Yeah. Like the the thing that makes it a frappuccino is just like right. sugar and yeah. more sugar. Um, so things were going like pretty well, I guess, right? You're pretty. I guess. You, I mean. You made subtle adjustments, right? Like the yeah, frappuccino. Yeah. In my head. Um, you know, I mean, I, I don't test as as much as. I probably should, but at that point, I thought, okay, a few times a day was good, um, but it, I don't think it really gave me as much information as as I hoped. Yeah. So about a month ago, my Dexcom G6 came in the mail, mm -hmm. and I was still wearing my G5. I saw a bunch of G5 supplies, and I asked you if you wanted to wear the G6. And I was like, I wasn't really sure what you would say. <laughs> because, I mean, you, you see it. It's like this big thing on your arm. Yeah. It goes in with like this big needle. It's kind of like a scary thing. Um, but you, you didn't hesitate. You were like, yeah. No, it was an exciting opportunity for me. I was, you know, re really happy to try it. <laughs> Because you just wanted to see the information? Well, both. I mean, I wanted a day in the life of Craig. <laughs> <laughs> and then also I thought it would be really uh, give me some good data about my day-to-day -day life and my lifestyle. And, you know, decisions that I think are good might not necessarily be as good as I, you know, thought. So what was it like putting it on? It wasn't, you were nervous. I was nervous. Uh, just... Because it's a big thing. Yeah, and I, I wasn't sure how it was going to feel, like, you know, because it's inserted, like, what is that, subcutaneously? Yeah. Um, and how it was going to feel, flush the skin at all times. And so, I don't know. I, I did have my reservations, but I was more excited about what I was going to learn than the actual moment. And then when you put it on, I, I think I was more startled by the sound than the actual pain. I didn't really feel pain the first yeah. time. Because I said I was going to do it on three, and I was like, one, two, and yeah. did it, I'm like a doctor. Yeah. Um, so the two-hour warm-up happens, and bam, you've got your blood sugar every five minutes. Yeah. Like, what was that like? 
oh, it felt like data overload at first <laughs> because, you know, it updates every five minutes. Yeah. And just to, you know, have that much data right at your fingertips was uh, overwhelming but exciting. And I, I think people would be interested to know what a, because obviously a person with type 1 has a lot of variability, right? right? I take a little too much insulin, I eat a little too much, eat too right. little, exercise too much. What is an, a person without type 1, what does that chart look like? I mean, in theory, you would think it's pretty steady, right? Yeah, you would think yeah. it would just be flat yeah. right, all the time. Yeah, it wasn't like that at all. <laughs> I had ups and downs all day, all night. Were, was it when you eat, exercise? Yeah, um, I mean, sometimes it would be when I would eat certain things, um, Sometimes it would be when I exercised, exercise that I thought would make me low, like running, mm -hmm. would actually spike my blood sugar up, many, you know, most of the times. Weights, of course. Um, and pretty quickly, too, right? Very quickly. Um, and then... Like, we did, like, 10 minutes on the stairs once, and you yeah. went up, like, 20, 30 points or something like that. Right, right. Or just, like, basic running, not even at a super fast pace, just at a very steady pace would make my blood sugar go up. Yeah. Most surprisingly, I was high when I would be sleeping. Hmm. Higher than my average numbers yeah. during the day, I mean. <clears throat> and so we started doing some, like, detective work, right? Like yeah. We started, like, trying different things. Um, and we had, you, were like, would eat different things at night and yeah. see. Was there... What was the, was there one moment that was like, or one meal that was just like, oh, wow, I, that was bad? Um, well, there were a couple of meals, <laughs> but by far, I think for me, the most shocking, well, I don't know if it's shocking, but the worst meal that affected my blood sugar the longest was when I had McDonald's uh, Big Mac and fries. And you went, you had it for dinner. I had it for dinner. Mind you, I didn't even eat all three of the breads of, for, the, Big but, of yeah. the Big Mac because you know how it has the three, the three layers. And you had like a small fry. I had equivalent to probably an order of small fries. And my blood sugars were up and down pretty high for two days, <laughs> which and was shocking. Yeah, that it would last that, that long. Just like mess your body up Correct. that long. Um. So I remember that week, we were, we, like, every day we would look at, like, your average blood sugar for, like, the previous day on, like, the Clarity app. And we would compare it to, like, an A1C chart and be like, okay, what would your A1C be? And it was higher than we thought it would be. Like, we were pretty, I don't know, you, you seem kind of nervous that it, your blood sugar just seems like you'd eat the fries at night and you would just be, like, 130 all night. Yeah. As opposed to being like during the day when you were like 95, you know, nine, 80s and 90s yeah. during the day. Yeah. Um, and then we put a second sensor on you mm -hmm. after the first 10 days and everything was different. And I guess we decided that that was because uh, it, it was your time of the month, like right in between, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And it was interesting that you could eat. Like the same foods one week and then the next week, like before and after. And well, I was too scared different. to try the McDonald's uh, <laughs> experiment again, but 
Correct. I, I wasn't staying, my blood sugars weren't staying consistently high through the night. So we would, I would eat the same similar foods and say like I would have rice noodles, yeah. which I also determined was very bad for my <laughs> blood sugar <laughs> at very low quantities, which I thought were, you know, a few bites would still spike my blood sugar, still spike my blood sugar the second time around we did. Yeah. However, my night uh, levels weren't as high. Um, I came down much faster and I didn't spike as high, I mean, as, I don't know about fast. It was still pretty fast, but I came down much faster. Much faster. Yeah, and my numbers were, my numbers at night were a lot steadier, I think. And I remember, like, every day your average blood sugar for, like, the two weeks would, like, slowly come down, like, the yeah. further we got away from that first week. Yeah. Uh, that, that first, the first 10 days, I was really confused about what, you know, um, how my blood sugar was being uh, affected by all these foods. But then the second time around, when we would try various things, I, I wouldn't, what I thought would happen didn't happen, especially at night. So that was shocking. It was almost like you were cured. Yeah, but the exercise was, was still the same in terms of bringing up my blood sugar. Yeah. But I would come down much sooner. The exercise would almost make you higher than the food yeah, would. Exactly. To the point where sometimes I'd be scared. Like, oh, should I, you know, be uh, exercise? Because I've realized that not exercising, I have excellent blood sugars. I became obsessed with the numbers yeah. and the data. And it was funny to me because like within the first like one or two days, like you were just sending me like screenshots yeah. of like your Dexcom. Like, yeah. look what it's doing now. Look what it's doing now which is what people with type 1 do all the time. Like all my type 1's friends, we send each other yeah. screenshots or blood sugars. Oh, look at how great this night was or look at how bad that meal was. Yeah. And it was interesting to me how almost like universal that like you just like picked up the lingo and the, I don't know, the, the different things you would do. Yeah. Which was not something I'd ever like told you. Like I never sent you screenshots of my blood sugar before. Yeah. For you to know, like that's something people do. Yeah. You I'm just started obsessed. doing it. Yeah. I mean, just to see the differences in the the, the first half and the second half, um, we were determined to figure out what was going on. Remember, doing like what was the the determining factor that. Well, I kept you, wanting you to eat sugary and sugary yeah. things. I wanted you to have another frappuccino yeah. just to see what would happen. And you were pretty adamant against it. I was. I already knew it was going to happen, <laughs> so I didn't really need to test. But, no, I definitely uh, felt that during the time that I had it on, I could r really relate to uh, what you go through every day. Just having the sensor on, like, you know, the second half, it. I don't know how, how it was put on, but it hurt more. I remember how I was complaining to you every day that mm -hmm. I could feel, like, sh like sharp pains and... Um, well, like sleeping on it? Sleeping on it would make it worse. And uh, People ever ask you what it was? Yeah, yeah. I did have uh, a few people actually ask me um, at the gym, on the train, um, randomly, I think. I, I don't remember. I told yeah. you that someone outside of work had asked. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and, and related to that, that like empathy, you said, um, besides just the physical, like what else, I don't know, do you feel like you have some insight into the 
You know, as your well, 20 yeah. days is type one. Yeah, I mean, like I told you, once I, I did that, it, it was like, okay, I have all these numbers, I'm up, I'm down. Um, but, you know, usually everything worked itself out. My, yeah. my, it made me realize what type ones go through every day because sometimes it doesn't work out itself. You know, you have to measure your insulin. You have to um, count your carbs. Like your whole life depends on these numbers and the data that you're getting. So I really, that really pounded it home for me. I mean, I, I've known you for so long and I've seen it and I always understand like, okay, this is what you have to do. But I actually really made that connection once I saw the numbers and realized oh, that one day, remember when I went low? Yeah. And you thought I was being psychosomatic, but I actually was going low for some random reason. I think I was I thought like, the sensor was just like yeah. giving you bad readings. Yeah. Because like, there's no way you would go low. Like, why yeah. would you go low? But I had, we, we had tested on, with the meter yeah. and I was going low. Yeah. Um, and then, and you're waiting for the train. Yeah. And you felt. I felt ill. Yeah. I felt, I had this like really fatigued and the, the, all of a sudden I had that bad headache and I just wanted to lay down and then I had my bar. <laughs> You just happen to have a the, RX bar. Yeah, you. I happen to have a bar that I keep in my bag for you. Oh, <laughs> because I go low. Yeah, so because much. you go low sometimes, so that I end up eating the bar I had for you. <laughs> but yeah, it just made me realize like the amount of work that goes into having type one. Um, well, even the amount of work you put into trying to keep your blood sugars okay, yeah. knowing that it was going to be okay. Yeah, I. I mean, yeah, I could have. You know, French fries, potato chips, cake, whatever, and it, it'll, you know, ultimately work itself out. But after seeing the data and having to, you know, see what that does to your body, mm-hmm. like, oh, it's it's too much work. Like, no, I don't want to do that to myself. <laughs> Let me just eat the low-carb, healthy option or, like, healthy carbs instead. Yeah. It really put things into perspective, actually. So you think in the end... Like we 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 did this experiment to like see what different foods did to you, mm-hmm. figure out your blood sugars. But really, like I feel like what you came away with was just this understanding of type one, of just diabetes in a way that you never did yeah. before, and probably that you didn't think you would. I definitely didn't think so. I mean, I thought it would be you know an interesting experiment. I thought I would learn more about myself. And, and the things that I eat, but I actually not only learned about the, how carbs um, affect my body, but actually how, like, so many things about what type 1s go through, not only with food, but with just the day-to-day uh, monitoring of everything and, and just having this device on your body and, um, you know, how... It changes so it, it much. It changes. Just yeah. knowing that you have that information all the time. Yeah. And, and you know, when, when the experiment was over and I was, like, just the little things like showering or putting lotion on my arm, I would still go around the movements, like, m- going around the monitor, even though yeah. it wasn't there anymore because I was so used to having it for 20 <laughs> days that it felt like part of me already. So when yeah. I had to give it up, I was a little sad and I felt like I was missing something. 
Um, but, you know, I don't definitely, I don't miss the, it was nice because I had the choice. Yeah. I know it would be, be much different if I had to have it every day of my life. If my life depended on it. Well, you can tell by the way I use my walk. I'm a woman's man. No time to talk. That's it for our first episode of The Threes. The Threes is a production of Beta Cell and is hosted and edited by me, Craig Steubing. Subscribe to Beta Cell wherever you listen to podcasts to get The Threes, Beta Cell, and Out of Range downloaded automatically onto your phone every week. If you love what we're doing here, you can support us on Patreon, and we'll send you some swag as a thank you. Visit Podcast forward slash supporters for more information and to see a list of all the people who are supporting Cell now. If you have a type 3 in your life that you want to talk to, send me a message at craig at betacellpodcast.com, and I'll send you a microphone, and we'll get you recorded enough. I'm Craig Steubing, and this is the threes.